With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's it. That's awesome. Okay, Brian, it is Sunday night. Hallelujah. This is the third. Is this the third of December? Third of December. Woohoo. Oh, she's for real. Okay, well, she'll have to lock down on that one for a few years. <laughs> no, no, no. And that's right, because Dusty's 38. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, you go, where does the time go? I'm telling you. Yeah, takes my breath away, that's for sure. I can't imagine how my mama feels having a daughter that's 70. That's you go. That's really ugly. <laughs> it's okay. He he knows to cut stuff out. He does. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> it's okay. He does. He listens and he cuts. He edits. He fixes. Oh yeah. He does good. So um, yeah. Um, we're just we're talking about salvation, and um, that's kind of where we live every day. I mean. We live in a fallen world. The curse is everywhere, you know. Um, we were singing joy to the world today and talking about, you know, His grace reigns far as the curse is found. I go, Amen. People don't realize what a strong gospel lesson that is. Mm-hmm. But, the, you know, the thorns and the briars in the earth, that's the curse. And He's wiped those out. But we have to access that. It doesn't just happen. Um, The world's still a fallen place. And if you're looking at the kingdom of heaven properly, everything that God created and God himself, everything in it um, is the kingdom of heaven. And that's good and bad. I mean, when when Jesus talks about um, his parables, he's trying to teach you how to be an overcomer in the kingdom of heaven. So he says the kingdom of heaven is like this. Somebody went out to sow the good seed. Somebody came behind and sowed the bad seed. You have the good actor and you have the bad actor. And then you have the outcome. And then it's you choose what you're going to do. And um, that's the kingdom of heaven. We're all in that. And in that kingdom of heaven, you've got angels. You've got fallen angels or the demonic. You have people who are uh, like us, light beings born again, people who um, are living out of the kingdom of God, and then you have all these little dark souls all around us that are still perverted and twisted and not in the image of God. And um, all of those things are interacting. And so that's where we need salvation. That's where you need defense, deliverance, protection, preservation, victory. That's where you need all those things, healing and all. You don't need them when you get to heaven Because there's no curse in heaven. You need them right here. So we have to work out our salvation. And um, that means cause it to come, cause it to be, to form, to whatever. Um, So when we left off last week, I just want to read the little homilytical notes. I, I love this little site that I found that has these notes in it. 
They're really good. But um, this one says, Man, in the material realm, has dominion over nature when you're born again. Okay? And therefore is able to combine and use its forces. In the material realm, men are able to do that. We can use gravity, electricity, wind, water, all the forces and powers of nature, all the laws of nature that are established in the material realm to our benefit. We can also get killed by them if we don't do it right. But they are available for us to use those forces and those resources to our good. Um, And so likewise, this is what the note says, so likewise in the spirit realm, seated together in Christ Jesus, meaning we have dominion, we are able to combine and use the infinite forces and resources of the divine. You know, and I don't think we often, uh, or at least I didn't, I'm speaking from my own point of view, that was, um, I was just kind of like looking at the same thing through a little bit different glasses. Um, yes, I, I know about faith, I know about walking it out, and I know about, you know, about using my words and, and those things, and we're, we're going to go back through some of that. But to think of it as using the forces and the resources and the physical laws of the spirit realm to our advantage is just kind of a way I haven't thought about it before. That we have resources, we have forces um, available to us, and um, so we're going back through this same things we've always talked about, but maybe with a little different look at it, okay? Um, because it's necessary that we use it all. Um, so when we were born again, all those mechanisms that God created in us straighten themselves out so that we really are in the image of God again. We really are in the likeness of God. We function the way he functions again. Um, all the perversion and the twisted is gone. And um, so we are capable of being those those life spirits like Jesus. Jesus said, the things I do, you'll do also. We have that capability in us. Um, we're seated together with him in heavenly places. That's Ephesians 2. Our inheritance, um, so we just have to start thinking about it. We are first seated with him in heavenly places. So, in Christ Jesus, He is seated at the right hand of the Father. When you and I are in Christ Jesus, we are seated at the right hand of the Father. So that means that we have that divine authority and that divine power. And then, all of our inheritance and our blessings are in the spirit realm, where no evil can touch them. They're not here in the earth realm. Go to Ephesians 1. And we'll start there. Okay, um, start with verse 3, Ephesians 1, 3. May blessings be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Already it's done, past tense. 
in Christ, when we're in Christ Jesus, with every spiritual, um, given by the Holy Spirit, blessing in the heavenly realm. <coughs> Those blessings are stored up for us in the heavenly realm. They're not, they're not here in the material. They're in the storehouse in heaven, in, in the heavenly realm, in the spirit realm. So we have to be able to access those and live out of them. Even as in love he chose us and actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless in his sight and above reproach before him in love. For he foreordained us to be adopted. Um, that, that word adopted literally means placed in the position of the firstborn son. It doesn't literally mean just kind of attached or engrafted. Um, that's a wrong uh, view. The word adopted there means put in the position of the firstborn, which if you're in Christ Jesus, you are in the position of the firstborn because we're seated together in heavenly places. Okay? Okay. In accordance with the purpose of His will. Because it pleased him and was his kind intent so that we might be to the praise and the commendation of his glorious grace, which he so freely bestowed on us in the beloved. So, you know, and then he says, in him we have redemption, deliverance and salvation through his blood, the remission of sins, the forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings and trespasses in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his gracious favor, which he lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom and understanding and practical knowledge, making known to us the mystery of his will, which is Christ in us. And it's this, in accordance with his good pleasure, he and his merciful intention, which he had previously purposed and set forth in him, he planned for the maturity of times and the climax of ages to unify all things and head them up and consummate them in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. So he has tied together the things in heaven and the things on earth. The material and the spiritual are reconnected through Jesus Christ. So through us, born-again believers, the spirit realm and the material realm are reconnected. So, we're seated with Him in heavenly places. Our inheritance and all our blessings are in the spirit realm. And we have intimate fellowship with God in the spirit, not in the flesh. We have to be able to hear from Him and to communicate with Him. A lot of times we forget to do that. At least I do. You know, you get busy and you just get going and you just don't listen. Um, some people are so good about going, okay, what should we do? Where should we go? How should I... You know, and some of us just aren't like me. I just say, come on, Lord, let's go. You know, whatever. But um, go to Isaiah 55 a minute. Okay, um, this scripture is often um, misquoted. When people can't figure out what's happened, 
They always go, well, God's ways are higher than our ways. We're just not supposed to know. But that's not what he says here. That's not what he means here. Um, if you look at verse 3, the first thing he says is this. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. So you have to have your spirit ears open. You have to be able to hear what he's thinking. And so you can you can understand and have his thoughts. You can't think them because you're not that smart. But he can sure tell you what he's thinking. So he says, incline your ear to me. Listen to what I'm saying. And then he explains why. But go down to verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Okay, let the wicked forsake his ways. And the wicked means, you know, the twisted, the confused, not just evil men, but anybody that doesn't have the clear understanding of what God's saying. Forsake your own ways and give up your own thoughts. Stop thinking what you're thinking. Stop behaving like you behave. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. Why? So we can think God's thoughts and, and do his ways. And he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Because, and this is why you've got to stop thinking, stinking, thinking. <laughs> for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And that's good news. We're seated together in heavenly places. So we need to have heavenly thoughts. We need to be able to hear the Lord. We need to understand that we, we can't pull earthly knowledge into any circumstances and expect to be on top of it. That's what the world does. And they're going in the... Yeah, they are. Down the tubes. You're exactly right. So God says, stop thinking your thoughts. Stop doing things. Have intimate relationships with me. Come really close to me. Um, I don't know where I got this note, but somewhere along the way, um, John fourteen twenty six, which is, um, you know, but the Holy Spirit will tell you all things. You know, we're going to go there in a little while. I'm just not going to read to you now. He will take my thoughts and give them to you. That's, you know, basically what that says. Um, but thoughts of and from the Holy Spirit are full of power and are from above, from the heart of God. Okay. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He takes the thoughts and the wisdom and the knowledge of God and gives it to us. Man's thoughts are like clouds that belong to the earth. And and then I have 1 John 2.20, which is all things in the earth are pride of life, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. That's where men's thoughts center. Even if you have good intentions, men's thoughts always center on those things. I can do it myself. You know, I, I know what I'm doing. I can do this. I think this is right, so I'll do it this way. You know, that looks like a good way for me to go. You know, I think this will make me feel better. All those things enter in. And we don't intend to be a part of the world. But we don't often, or at least me, I'm just speaking about me. I don't listen as well as I should. 
you know, to that voice of God telling me what to do. Go to 2 Corinthians 4. We're seated in heavenly places. If our inheritance is in the spirit realm, and if our intimate connection with God stems from the spirit and not from the flesh, then we need to learn to live over in that kingdom and be comfortable there um, all the time. And um, so look at, okay, look at, Start with verse 13. 2 Corinthians 4. Start with verse 13. I'm still reading in the Amplified here. Yet we have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote, I believe and therefore I have spoken. We too believe and therefore we speak. Assured that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will raise us up also with Jesus and bring us along with you into his presence. For all these things are taking place for your sake. So that the more grace, divine favor, and spiritual blessing extends to more and more people. And multiplies through the many. The more thanksgiving may increase to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not become discouraged. Um, utterly spiritless, exhausted, wearied. Um, out through fear, yeah, wearied out through fear. Though our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day. For our light momentary affliction, this slight distress of passing hour is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all the comparisons all the calculations of vast transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. Now he's talking about the one place where Jesus suffered. He suffered persecution. He didn't suffer under the curse. His suffering was persecution. And um, so that's our suffering. He says nobody's given up houses and money and family and all that for my sake, that you won't receive it back in this life a hundredfold with persecution. So Paul's speaking about persecution here, and he said, whatever we're going through right now, it is simply um, causing more and more people to come to the light. The glory of God is showing out more and more in the world. So for me, it's worth it, you know. And then he, this is how he lives through it. This is what he says. Since, verse 18... We consider and look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are visible are temporal, brief and fleeting. But things that are invisible are deathless and everlasting. So that ought to be our focus all the time. We should not be looking at this material world, but rather we should be looking at the spirit realm. And it ought to be more real to us than the material and the reason I think that it's not is because I exercise these physical eyes a lot more than I do my spirit eyes. 
You know, I, I think I, I do that on a daily basis. But the world is in your face. I mean, it's just in your face all the time. And Paul says, well, it's in my face too. I'm being persecuted all the time. But I don't look at that. I'm, I look at the kingdom. I just keep my eyes on the kingdom. And, I, and I'm staying over there. I'm not looking at what's going on here. I'm just looking at the glory. And I'm looking at the purpose behind everything. And seeing what's happening in the spirit realm, regardless of what it looks like in the material. Because what's happening in the material is going to change. But what's happening in the spirit realm is going to stay. And um, so we need to adjust our way of looking at things. Let's just keep reading on down in five for a minute. For we know that if the tent, which is our heavenly home, is destroyed or dissolved, we have from God a building, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Here indeed in this present body we sigh and groan inwardly. Amen. Because we yearn to be clothed over, we yearn to put on our celestial body like a garment to be fitted out with our heavenly dwelling. So that by putting it on, we may not be found naked without a body. For while we are still in this tent, we groan under the burden and sigh deeply, weighed down, depressed and oppressed. Not that we want to put out the body, put off the body, the clothing of the spirit, but rather that we would further be clothed so that what is mortal, our dying body, may be swallowed up by life after resurrection. Mm -hmm. Now he who has fashioned us, preparing and making us fit for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Holy Spirit as the guarantee of the fulfillment of his promise. Okay? So we have the Holy Spirit, the guarantee. So what we put on right now is Christ. Christ is the anointing of God. Um, um, we put on Christ. And then just read one more verse here. Just a minute. Yeah. When we say put on Christ, I mentioned this in Sunday school sometime back. <clears throat> we have Jesus, we have Jesus Christ, and we have Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we put on Christ. In a sense, it's like putting on the man Christ. The mantle. The man. Yeah. The mantle. The man. The man okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. We're putting on the man Christ. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. And that's just a mental image. Okay. And I understand that it is the mantle. It is the anointing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just... It's a bother to me, and I just mentioned that to to you folks here, uh, that putting on Christ, and we're in Christ, the man Christ, uh, that that physical aspect of saying the word Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, and because it is connected with the name Jesus, and Jesus Mm -hmm. is the man Mm -hmm. that walked the earth for me, and uh, and so forth. So I just mentioned that from a clarity standpoint, it just it would be better for me if we said the mantle instead of Christ. Uh, and I don't mean to dispute God's word at all. No, I've it's heard not that, my the point. Mantle. Right. Uh, but it's just, just it hit me in this year and uh, just like to, I need to see it differently than yeah. what I do see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. No, you're right. But yeah, it's uh, the mantle. I guess you could say, like, you know, that covering that. that it's like the Elijah Elisha story, you know. Elisha wanted the double anointing, and um, 
Elijah said, it's yours if my mantle falls back on you when I'm taken into heaven. So the mantle fell back, literally a material mantle fell back on Elisha. And Elisha took the mantle and slapped the water and it split open. And so he knew that he had the same anointing that Elijah had when he walked away. So, yeah, when it's in, you... It's in that put, anointing that we have, though. That yeah, happened. yeah. Well, that you doesn't come across when I just say the word Christ. You're right. Or hear the word Christ. You're right. You're right. Yeah. That's, yeah, I'm glad you said that. But it is. It's the mantle, you know, the anointing that, that comes on us. But when you put on that mantle, that anointing, you're wrapping yourself in the Holy Spirit, you know. And um, um, inside and out, we, we are spirit beings, more spirit than we are flesh. Uh, to me, if you, if you look at that, it's almost like the mantle overcomes the flesh, covers the flesh, uh, you know, over, overwhelms the flesh. And, um, yeah, I'm glad you said that, Bill. That's good. Um, so that next verse then says, The just shall walk, uh, we walk by faith, not by sight. Um, I lost my place. Verse 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. The word walk there means live, deport yourself, and to be occupied with. So you you deport yourself by faith, not, not by your physical eyes, physical sight. You, you are occupied with the spirit and not with the material. So he's saying you, you live your life by, by faith. By looking at what can't be seen as opposed to using your material eyes. Which means we need to sharpen our spirit eyes more. We need to be more aware of that. We're going to talk about eyes and ears down the road. Because those are mechanisms. They're resources that God's given us to use to access. So before anything else, bottom line, the first source, the first resource, the absolute necessity is the Holy Spirit himself. That's everything. He's our power, he's our force, and he's our resource, period. So you absolutely have to be born again. You know, there's no way you cannot be born again. You must be born again. And um, Ephesians 1 just says it. It said we are, we were dead in our sins, completely dead. If you're dead, there is no living to anything. You're not alive to the spirit realm on any level. Um, that's why it's so important that you and I keep speaking the word out there because dead people, people who are so in the dark, need the light. The only spark, um, you know, in him is life and the light is, is the life of men. Um, in, in John 1, um, and um, we need to be speaking the word because that's the light. And every little spark of light that hits a darkened person is going to bring a tiny bit of understanding. It may take a lot of hits of light before they have enough light to come to the Lord. But, you know, it's almost like, um, this is a terrible comparison, so forgive me. But you know, when Frankenstein created his monster, okay, he used electromagnetic energy to bring him to life, okay? And uh, that's what, when you speak, it's electromagnetic energy. It's light that we're pouring into a dark mind 
You know, that it's the word that has that power and that light in it, though. So we need to keep speaking that. But the Holy Spirit is it. I mean, that's bottom line. We have to have that. Um, without that, we, we have absolutely nothing. Um, well, I just noticed that just to me, just look at John. that, you yeah. said it's a guarantee. That's just mm-hmm. got to be the bottom line there. Yes. Then knowing it's a guarantee. Yeah, mm-hmm. great word, isn't it? Yes, I, that just hit me. The Holy mm-hmm. Spirit as a guarantee. Yeah. Period. Yes. Yes. It's, there's no more. There's nothing else. No, that's it. And He is the guarantee that everything else God has has is is ours. He is our guarantee. You're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a good one. Just that word. Mm-hmm. This is the guarantee. Yeah. That's it. And you know, I mean, if you look at it like that and you think, well, you know, like in the bride story, when the husband would go away, he'd leave his wife to be something as a guarantee that she's his and that he's looking out for her and he's gone to make a better place for her. And that's the Holy Spirit. He's our He's our wedding ring, I guess you could say in a way. But, um, yeah, he is the absolute guarantee that we belong to the living God, that we're his, we're his children, his, and everything he has belongs to us. Everything, everything belongs to us. So, um, just look at John. We've read these so many times, but just think about them now from the point of view that we have to start living out of the kingdom. We have to start living out of the kingdom of God, out of the spirit realm, toward the material, <clears throat> not the other way around. Um, so instead of us, and this is kind of the way I look at it, like even when I would be praying, the Lord kind of gave me this picture. It's like I would be standing in the material and I'd just be trying to pull something out of the spirit realm. But God says, no, you stand in the spirit realm and you open the door for the blessings to flow through you to, you know, to the material world. We're not trying to pull something. We're trying to release something that we already have. So, um, um, that's another point. We operate from victory. We're not yes. trying to go to victory. Right. We operate from supply. Right. Mm-hmm. From the guarantee, yes. From the source, from the victory. Right, exactly right, right to the to the problem, <clears throat> and you're exactly right. It's an entirely different way of looking at where you are. What is your position when you're in prayer? What is your position when you're standing for something or when you're, you know, dealing with an issue? What? Where are you standing? Um. And all this was, I mean, I know this, but I'm just going, oh my Lord, how far off base do you get so easy? How fast do you get, you know, out of sync where you're supposed to be? But look at John. Jesus is just speaking here about what he's leaving with us, the Holy Spirit. He's leaving with us. And not just with us, but in us and us in him. We're being translated out of this material realm into the spirit realm. We're being lifted up, seated at the right hand of the Father. 
So if that's the case, then the Holy Spirit is really important in everything we do. In all our decision making, we need to have ears to hear and eyes to see. We need to have that. Look at verse 26. In what chapter? Uh, John 14. This is old ground, but worth going over again. What verse did you start at? Uh, start two verses, 16 and 17. Then we're going down to 26. <laughs> Chapter 14. What what did I say? She said twenty six. Okay, well well we'll just do okay. you mean this is just to run up to twenty six. Twenty six is the punchline. Okay. Sixteen and seventeen. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not and neither knows him. Doesn't have those spirit eyes. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Now go down to 26 because this is this is for us. This is the meat. What's he going to do for us? If he's in us and we're in him, what does he have for us? The comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. You know, in 1 John, um, he says... Let me see if I can just find it and read it to you real quick. You don't have to go there. Um, he says, But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. So, you know, I mean, we're all around this table, but you've got the same Holy Spirit I have. You know, so wherever you are, even in Florida, the Holy Spirit is in Florida. Just want you to know. You're taking yeah. it with you, aren't you? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So you. That is exactly right. Don't forget it. Don't let it leave. There you go. So bring all those things to your remembrance, whatever I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit is going to call to remembrance. And this is important. If you don't have anything up there, there is nothing for him to call to remembrance. So you better have some truth up there for him to be able to recall or call it to your remembrance. You know, he's going to teach you things, but you better have something up there, you know. And, and the neatest little... You know, revelations just zip through your mind when you're studying. Things that he'll remind you of. Like today I was reading about putting on Christ. And and it just hit me. The first thing that happened to Adam once he fell was he was completely naked. And God had to dress him with an animal. When Jesus came, we're dressed in, in the anointing now. We're covered in the anointing of God. And we stand in his righteousness. So he's still the one that's covering us up. We're not even doing it now. You know, okay, go to chapter 15. John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just move over a little bit. Verse 26. When the Comforter is come, whom I will send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me 
from the beginning. So the Holy Spirit is always going to testify to things of of Jesus. When we're walking around in this world, you better listen because the Holy Spirit's going to say, yeah, this is of the Lord or "Mm -mm -mm." get away. Back up. This is not of the Lord. Be careful. Um, And we need to be really sensitive to that. He's gonna. He is going to testify of Jesus, and he's going to let us know truth. So we need to rely on that, because man, everywhere you go, you know, the world is a, is is pressing in on all sides. We need to be aware of that. All right, now just turn the page. Um, we're in sixteen. Go to. Oh wait, yeah, go to sixteen. Thirteen and fourteen. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. And he will glorify me, for he will receive of mine and show it to you. We have to have spirit ears. It's the the Holy Spirit that's going to be conversing with us. It's the spirit of God that, that converses with us. And with that knowledge, with that truth, and with the power that's resident in us, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is resident in us, then we should not be getting ourselves on a wrong track. Um, If we don't have the Holy Spirit, we cannot take on the characteristics of the Father. And that's important. Um, You're in John. Just flip over to Acts real quick. We've read this a thousand times. But I just want to go there one more time and remind you. This power, this force, precedes all others. And this reconnection is before everything else. The Holy Spirit. That's it. Okay. Look down in verse 8. Chapter 1, Acts 1, verse 8. Okay, and you shall receive power, and that word is dunamis. Um, a lot of people use it to say the word dynamite, which is true, but I like dynamo better. A dynamo continually produces and releases power. So, so the Holy Spirit is like a dynamo in us, continually releasing power, continually producing, continually resident the power of the Holy Spirit <coughs> to do it to do the impossible, not the possible. You and I can do the possible, but what? The Holy Spirit's there to do is the impossible. Okay? He's there to do what we can't. Um, so, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. That word unto is so important. It's the, it's the word en, E-N, in the Greek. But it doesn't mean that you'll go out and testify all over the world. It does not mean that. It means... You will take on the attributes of the one you follow. Unto, you will be a witness unto me. He doesn't need to be witnessed to. So what does that mean? It means you will become like him. So you will take on the attributes of the one you follow. So you receive that dunamis, that dynamo power, 
and with it, you take on the attributes of the one you follow, which is just exactly what we've been saying. All those mechanisms, all that stuff in us that's been perverted all these years is now back in line. We take on the characteristics of our Father, the characteristics of Jesus. We're all sons of God. We have the same DNA, the same seed in us. And so we take on the characteristics of the one we follow. Well, Jesus lived out of the spirit realm toward the material realm. He was always going that way. And if you look at like Peter and John, you know, at the gate called Beautiful, and there's that poor little crippled man. They said, we don't have anything in the spirit realm. We don't have money. We don't have anything in the material realm to give you. But what we've got is this, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Mm-hmm. So they, they took what they had from the spirit realm and just poured it out on that man, that anointing that caused them to be able to rise up and walk. And they didn't think a thing of it. You know, they said, we don't have anything material, but I'll tell you what, we've got this better. We have spirit power that can rise you up off that bed. And um, so we need to have that, that attitude, that look about us. So, okay, that's first and foremost. Now we look at forces and resources. So we're going back over old ground again, but still hopefully with some new eyes. The first thing we have in us from the day that we were created, even in Adam, was the measure of faith. Okay? Um, Go back to, find Romans 12 and Hebrews 11. Okay, so Romans 12 is where we're going to start. Okay, Um, all right, look at verse 3. Very quickly, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And the is a really important verb there, a specific measure. And measure is exactly that. It is a quantitative amount. Okay, I don't know if it's the size of a mustard seed or what, but I know that it is a quantitative amount, and it is a amount so explosive that it could tell a mountain to be removed and cast into the sea. Okay, it is an explosive amount of faith. And it is material, but it is spirit material. It's not earthly material, but it is tangibly material in the spirit realm. Look at Hebrews 11. Verse 1. That was Romans. Uh, Romans um, 12. 12, 1 through 3, and then Hebrews 11, 1. 
Just stay in Hebrews because we'll just keep reading a little bit here in Hebrews. For a while. Okay. So, just 11.1. Now faith is the substance. And that word substance literally is a substance. It's, a, it's something. You know, it's not, a, it's not a thought. It's not a reason. It's not something ethereal. It is a literal spirit substance. And it's measurable. Because we have the measure of that substance of faith in us. We're born with that. Now, the minute Adam fell, we talked about this, that faith was twisted. It went right to fear. It went right to shame. It went right to guilt and then immediately to fear. But it's built in us to be faith. Complete, absolute trust in the living God for all things, no matter what. No matter what things look like in the material, we should have complete faith and trust that what God says is true. And we should not be shaken. That's, that's, what, it, that's what it does for us. But it's, it is a material substance in our spirit being. So we're all dealt that. And if we don't exercise it, it becomes weak and of no, uh, of no account. It's useless. And um, um, verse 6 says, and I'll just flip over to verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek them. God would not expect us to have faith if he didn't give us the measure. But he expects us to exercise that faith, and to use that faith to believe that God exists, and that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And the diligently seek him part is the place where we ought to live. I mean, we ought to be walking every day in the spirit realm. Every day. We ought to feel more spirit than we do material. We need to be running after the things of God. Um, is it safe to say that the reason we, we all been given, we've been given that measure of faith by God, but we don't truly exercise it because we, as in this nation... We have too much of the material things. We don't mm -hmm. need faith. I think you're right. Nonetheless, I don't need faith. There you go. No, I think so. The worst of it is in the, the body of believers, in the churches. Mm -hmm. you know, why don't we see the mighty, unbelievable miracles that's coming yeah. up in the Word of God? Yeah. Because we don't exercise that faith. We, yeah. we only say it in passing. Oh, I have faith, yeah. yeah. Well, let me say it. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly what James says. Yeah. You know, I, you you know, yeah. I hear you say you have faith, but I'll show you my faith by what I do. Right. You know, and um, that's exactly right. It's there to be used by us, and it's so easily perverted or so easily Amen. buried or stepped over. Amen. You know, and we. We trade one thing for another. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We trade faith for mental assent, mm -hmm. yeah. and that's a deadly thing. Kenneth Hagin says this: faith believes with the heart, in spite of what the physical senses say. Mm -hmm. Faith believes with the heart, in spite of what your physical senses tell you, and that's when it gets really hard. You know, 
when your physical senses are telling you one thing, then you have to believe what God says over and above, and then you have to act like that's true. Um, and uh, we always, we're always hedging our bets. You know, around here we all are. And um, well, we put a period behind believe that God exists. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I think even Jeff this morning said, "All we have to do is believe that God exists," and I thought. We have to have a little more than that. You yeah, know? you have to act on that. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to act on it. And then, and that yeah. he is the rewarder. We have right. We put a period. Right. Of those yeah, two. Yeah, we know God exists, period. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's mental assent. And that is so deadly in the kingdom of God. But, you know, we've already talked about Jesus says, the things that I do, you would do also. But while you're right there in Hebrews 11, go down to verse 33. And this is what it ought to look like. You know, he talked about all the faith people all along the way that he was able to do business with long before Jesus went to the cross in the flesh. You know, uh, the awesome things um, that came with them. Noah and Abraham and Sarah and um, even, uh, I mean, and Isaac and and. Jacob, God bless him. I just even have a hard time throwing him in there. But God bless him. Jacob, Joseph, Moses, you know, all these awesome people that did things just purely by faith. Regardless of what things looked like in the in the material, they acted as if what God said was true. But look at verse 33, because this tells you, this is regular human being people like us. The man on the street, okay? Who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Mm. Even in persecution, their faith made them overcomers. They're still singing God's praise when the lions were tearing them apart. There's so many accounts of that. When you read Josephus and some of these other writers, you know, that there they are praising God and singing to God. They were looking at the spirit realm, not the material. And um, therefore, what happened at the cross is not stamped out because of people like that. And and um, you're right, Jerry. The thing that's going to destroy the church here is lethargy and ignorance mm-hmm. and um, mental assent instead of faith. Mm-hmm. So now faith believes that God has already done and is doing right now for us what we ask. Go to Mark eleven twenty two. Because it's now. It's it's always now. Always now. God lives outside of the time space continuum. He created time, but with God everything is present tense. That's all there is. So this is a this is the way we ought to look at things. This is the story, you know, when Jesus spoke to the fig tree. And they just went away. And then in the evening, the fig tree dried up. Well, everybody was shocked about it except Jesus. And he says, oh my gosh, you know. 
Where's your faith? Don't you have any faith that what comes out of your mouth has power in it? Don't you have any faith in what I've been telling you about the sower sows the word or, you know, out of the abundance of your mouth, your heart speaks and, and brings forth treasure? Where have you been? So this is what he says. Look at verse 22. Four words. And Jesus answering them said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say to you that whoever shall say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. And that's a whatsoever. It's unlimited. Would, you know, what you speak, you're going to have. And you lock down on that in faith. Therefore I say to you, what things you desire when you pray. Right that minute. When you pray, believe you receive. Okay? Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So when do you believe that you received them? When you pray. Not when it materializes. You should act like it's already materialized when you get up from your knees. And that's a different way to live. We should be acting as if it's already done. You know. Um, It's now. Mental assent says, well, I hope that happens. You know. But faith takes the answer right now. Wesley says this. I love John Wesley. The devil has given the church a substitute for faith. One that looks and sounds so much like faith that few people can tell the difference. And the substitute is called mental assent. Mental assent says, I know God's word is true and I know God has provided healing or other blessings. But for some reason I can't get it. I don't understand. Um, um, I will believe... I receive it when I have it. But real faith says, if God's word says it's true, then it's true. It's mine. I have it now. I have it even though I can't see it because God cannot lie. And our churches, not just this church, but but our churches are weak because we're always waiting for it to manifest before we act like it's true. Um. And I found myself fighting that the whole time with my knees, you know. I found myself fighting that. And it's, it's, it's on me. It's not on the Lord. He didn't say no to my prayers. He didn't. It was, it's all on me. All of it. Um, thank goodness for doctors in that case. But we should be able to get beyond that. Look at James 1. Tina quotes this a lot, and and we need to read it because we need to. Well, we Bless some, you. We sometimes we pray, but then we just kind of keep pretending or keep praying, yeah, just to cover our bases. Yeah. Okay. I, I just better keep saying asking that again and again and again. Yeah, just to be sure I, he heard yeah. me. The, he didn't hear me. Right. The I think if we just said it one time and believed that, like yeah. say, now faith. Well, that's what Kenneth Hagin, and he's a hard man to listen to. Because he just does not mince words. You know, and he just tells you. 
If you have to go back, then you didn't you didn't pick it up when you left. Where'd you leave it? That's where you're going back to. But Jesus says, you know, well, yes, persistent, but not to keep asking, to keep on asking for the same thing. Persistent, what's persistent? Right. What's persistent is to lay hold of it and then praise God for the answers. Speak like you have the answers. Talk like you have the answers. You know, um, and like I know we keep covering our kids every day, and we do. We're persistent in that prayer. Um, but at the same time, what what we are what we're doing is covering them in the blood of Jesus, thanking the Lord that that He's working in their lives, believing that you know it's all going to work out. That's um, there's a way to be persistent in that without going back again as if you never asked in the first place, you know. And we have to be careful about that because I find myself doing that too. That's what I'm saying. I've gotten to be a really careless Christian and I think that's why the Lord has put this split in the hair thing on my back because um, I, I have not been split in hairs. And I remember when I first used to hear this word, when I when I used to hear this message about faith and all, I, that's what I used to say. Oh my God, they're just splitting hairs about everything. But now, you know, the more you walk in, the more you say, wow, you have to split hairs. You have to be precise and exact. Um, we don't worry about splitting hairs when we're cooking, uh, baking a cake. You know, if it says two eggs, you better not put in ten. You know, you better just put in two. Then you have to be specific, but we don't call that splitting hairs. We we call that following the recipe. Mm -hmm. So when God says this is the recipe, yeah, then we shouldn't be upset about splitting hairs. We should do it. And it's hard. It's a hard word to hear. You know, it's a hard word to hear. Um, but you figure um, that persistence when Jesus was talking about it in Matthew, he was talking about an evil judge. You know, not the good judge. And um, we we take our prayers to the living God. And um, so that's that's the deal. But then we don't let go of it. You know, you, you hold on like a, you know, like a bulldog on a, you know, piece of meat. Right. Can I say something? You bet. Thank you, Jill, for speaking what you just did. I have spoke that very thing to different Sunday school classes throughout the ages. And everybody just looked at me and says, no, you know, you got to keep asking, keep asking. No. no. When I go to prayer, I ask, believing. Then from my prayers there on, I thank God for, for the answer. Yeah, that's it. That's it. There you go. And, and I have found, and I've done this in the past, um, when I have things that are just big issues. I used to do this a lot with school things. But I would write down my request and I'd put down all those scriptures. You know, I would say, Lord, I need this and this. These are the scriptures, you know. And then I need this and these are the scriptures. You know, this is where I need and this is what I need. And then I would pray it out and then I would go back and visit it every day. But I would visit the scriptures every day and speak the scriptures into those circumstances and stand on what God said so that I wasn't asking again. I was just affirming what I've already received. Calling into remembrance. Yes. 
Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. And um, some people get really squeamish with this, but I am a total believer in it. Yes. Taking communion over what you write down. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, you, you do this in remembrance of me. If you need to be reminded that Jesus took the whole curse to the cross, you know, and nailed every bit of it there, and you need to be reminded that you are the righteousness of God standing before him, then take communion over that because that's a covenant promise. And Jesus says anything that you ask in my name. Mm-hmm. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, God says every promise in this book is a resounding yes. You know, and we and so we need to I, I need to start doing that more. I'm talking to myself because the Lord has chewed me up about this for weeks. So I'm really glad to just dump this in your lap. It's just a great relief to get this on somebody else's back because he has chewed me up about this. You know, I mean, really. And um, I just find that, you know, I get lazy. I just slide and um, you just can't do it. No, you just do can't do it. Yeah. So you have to get to that place where you go, God's word says it's true. Then it's true. And it's mine. And I have it now. Because now is faith. Faith is now. Okay? And um, even though I can't see it, it's mine because God does not lie. You know, and if you've backed your prayers with the word and you've got your scriptures, you've got your case laid out then then you got something to stand on you know and you can hang on and be tenacious in that um and and i get a little uncomfortable i know a couple of weeks ago and i think oh I, I hope i didn't but i think i hurt karen's feelings in it i really i i just um when she was saying sometimes god says no um it's not scriptural and and um even you know, even when you don't get an answer to a prayer, it's a non-answer. It's not no. It's a non-answer. And then you have to ask, what were you asking? You know, and like Jordine was saying, well, I was looking at a job and I was looking to move here and planning everything, and I was praying that God would make sure it was the right thing. Well, God just shut the door because His word says, "I open doors and I shut doors." Mm-hmm. So He didn't say no. He answered a prayer. He just shut the door because that's what He does. You know, it wasn't, no, you can't go there. It was, you asked me, you know, if this was the right thing to do, so I'm just shutting the door. So he actually was following his word, but he didn't say no. That was a yes. It was just, he just shut the door. And um, so we have to be careful about um, how we speak that because that has been one of the most devastating things about people praying. You cannot, you can't, Build your faith on anything or put your trust in anything if you think he might just change his mind on your case. Maybe he'll say yes to you, but he won't say yes to me. And if that's the case, then you, you have nothing to stand on. And God's saying, no, my word is as firm as a rock. It's never moving. The truth is never going to change. It's always going to be there. And you can put your full weight on that and believe that I'm going to answer. Um Look at James 1 here. Like I said, Tina's been saying this, but it's exactly right. Um, And when you get into these circumstances and you ask God and then you lock down and you keep standing no matter what, that does build your patience. And patience does increase um, everything in in your being. Everything gets stronger because of it. 
But um, James is using wisdom, but this this is for anything. Um, Verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Um, That's pretty harsh. But um, I found myself right there in those scriptures, you know. And um, so I go, well, maybe I just didn't ask right. Maybe I better go back and do it again. Well, maybe I didn't ask right. You know, maybe I do need to do it again, but um, I try to do it when I really get serious. I try to just write it all down and and put those scriptures on it so that um, I don't waver. You know, you say put those scriptures on it. Mm-hmm. You mean like what we're going over tonight? Anything, whatever promise you need. Like, um, yeah. So say you need. Um, you need your next month's rent, and you don't see where it's coming from. You say, Lord, I need my next month's rent. I need this much money, and you be specific. This is what I need for rent, or this is what I need for my bills. Then you say, and this is what your word says. You will provide for all my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Boom. You put that down. You go, Lord, thank you that you have met all my needs according to your riches and glory. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you, you find what word fits, you know, whatever you need. Yeah, and you, it's like making a contract with the Lord, a covenant with the Lord there. And then you just seal it. You say, Lord, I'm going to stand on this, you know, till the cows come home. I'm not moving off of it. You know. did it for this person in the Bible, you can do it for me. Yes, exactly. There's, what, over 3,000 promises in this book. Yeah. So you find the ones that apply to your situation. Mm-hmm. And you can personalize those scriptures. Yeah. You know, yep. you promised, and I know you promised to me. Yeah. I'm in that promise. That's it. So that faith thing is, is all important, you know. Um, it it drives everything else we do. Um, there's not anything else in the kingdom of heaven that's going to support what we need out of the kingdom. If you don't have faith, you're not getting anything out of the kingdom of God. Let not that man think he's going to receive anything. It isn't going to happen. And so we have to be sure that we're building up our faith. So first of all, you got to make a decision about the word. That you're going to believe it above everything else. You're not going to hedge your bets. And you're going to flat out accept it. So you need to completely accept first that all scripture is God speaking to you. That the word is God breathed. And God inspired. And that it is, and this is something I don't often think about, God indwelt. It has power in it. The word is powerful and alive and sharper than a two-edged sword. It is alive and powerful. Um, Paul says in Romans 1, he says, I'm not afraid of the gospel. It is the power unto salvation, which is what we need. The word of God is the power that brings salvation to us. In this realm, defense, deliverance, protection, victory, healing, you know, all that. Accept the word for what it actually says and don't add men's interpretations. We're so quick to want to define God by our own experiences. Mm -hmm. 
And that's where this sometimes God says no thing comes. You know, we're trying to define God by our, by our own experiences. And the minute we do that, God gets this big. We can put him in a box. So you can't, you can't do that. You have to let God be God and then line yourself up with that. And that's hard. It's really hard. Or at least it is for me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe it's because I'm, I'm that type A person. You know, but it's just really a hard thing for me to do. So second of all, the word has to be the most important thing to you. And so you've got to completely immerse yourself in it. And all the promises, you have to. Go to Proverbs 4. And I have to remind myself that when these Proverbs were written, Solomon only had the Old Testament too. We have the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is where, this is the other ditch we go in. We need to constantly feed on this word. Um, I've been working with this um, lady whose life is just in tatters right now. Just in tatters. And um, she knows the word. And she knows the Lord. She's a born again believer. She was in jail. She's gotten out. She's two weeks from being done with parole, which is huge for her. And she's about to get her life together, and her husband has turned abusive. I mean, viciously abusive. So her whole life is coming apart. He has kept her locked up virtually in the house for two years. She hasn't been to church. She hasn't been anywhere. And she finally just escaped this week. She just got out. He went on a road trip. He's a truck driver. And she just left. But in the middle of that, I told her this morning, or I told her this week, I said, get up Sunday morning and go to church. Get back in church. You need to get submerged in the Word. And uh, she's been going to AME Zion, was where she was going for a long time. And I said, you just need to be in the presence of other believers. You need to go. Well, didn't I get a text this afternoon? She said, you know what? I just slept late. I was so exhausted. I thought, you needed to be there. That's the time when you need to be. That's when you need to get yourself up and put yourself there. Feed on the word. Hear the word. Faith comes by hearing. That builds your spirit up. I don't care how tired your body is. But that's one of the hardest hurdles to get people over. Mm -hmm. Um, Verse um, 20. As soon as people get overwhelmed, the word's the first thing that goes out of their lives. Mm -hmm. Verse 20. Chapter 4, verse 20. Did I say that wrong again? Okay. My son, attend to my words, incline your ears to my sayings, and let them not depart from your eyes. Okay, spirit ears, spirit eyes, your mind's eye. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Your heart is the center of your understanding, where you grasp the things of the spirit. Your greenhouse. Yes, your greenhouse. You are so good. You remembered that. The greenhouse. Exactly right. Yeah, we need you, girl. Oh my gosh! For they, (laughs) for their life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. 
out of the very depth of what you believe to be true flow the forces of life. And that word issues is literally forces. It's a force of life that flows out of you. And um, so you've got to stay in the word. It has to become the most important thing. And then you have to get in agreement with what it says. Um, Kenneth Hagin says it like this. You have what the Word says you have. You are what the Word says you are. And if you want God's Word to work for you, you have to get in agreement with that. Can I say something here? Yeah. This has been, I've been busting. Ever since you did uh, Isaiah chapter 55, right. uh, verse 3, Give ear and come to me, hear me. That your soul may live. Yes. Now, there's your connection of the two dots there. Yes. The, with the Proverbs 4, uh, verses 20 and 21. And here, the word hear me, or listen, is the Hebrew word shema, which means like, you go back to Deuteronomy 6, 4, the shema. Yes. Hear, O Israel. Shema, O Yisrael. Adonai Eloheinu. This here, if you look through these other verses, it's the same word, Shema. And that means hear, listen, do, act, and obey. There you go. So it's more than just opening up your ears and Mm -hmm. hearing someone read a word. It's following through and listening. Mm -hmm. That's it. Doing, acting, and being obedient to what the word says. There you go. And that's the powerhouse. Yeah. And that's exactly right. That spirit ears is where you have to take that in. Not not just physical ears, but but your spirit ears. And it is. It is very active. It is very active. You're right. It's always yes. active. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Active and performing. There you go. Mm-hmm. And um, then, well, and then the next thing is hear the word. Truly hear it. Speak it out loud to yourself. Listen to faith teaching. But continually pour that word back into your hearing. Um Scientifically speaking, that auditory nerve is the only nerve that touches the center of your imagination. It's the only one. Mm-hmm. And the center of your imagination is your heart. That's where you believe what you believe to be true. And then keep it in front of your eyes. If the word doesn't depart from before your eyes in any area for which you're believing God, then you will see yourself as the word sees you. I love that. That's Kenneth Hagin again. God bless him. He says, if the word doesn't depart from before your eyes in any area for which you are believing, then you will see yourself as the word sees you, possessing all the benefits the word says are yours. Your imagination will be full of what God says about you. (coughs) And then don't trade faith for hope. Hope is always in the future. We never get to the future. We are always in the present where God dwells. So, you know. Then if you don't know God's word is true, if I'm sorry, if you, when you know that it's true, then act like it's true. Until your actions correspond with your faith, failure will be continual. Um, when you know God's word is true, act like it's true, and then it will become a reality to you. Maybe before it's manifested, but it'll be a reality to you. And we already said, when you pray... Take now. 
for the answer right now. Um, it isn't based on a change in your circumstances or symptoms. Faith is based on what God has said in His Word. Period. So, okay, well, we're going to stop right there and we'll, we'll finish this next week on the faith thing. It's old ground, but I hope new understanding. You know, just things that we need to put together. <clears throat> I know I need to be reminded. <coughs> <coughs> I've been chewing on this for weeks. Can you believe this is the 3rd of December? No. What happened to the year? I thought we just paid taxes a week ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. Here we go again. Mercy. Yeah. Holy cow. Talk about Nina. Now prayer. There it is. <laughs> there. That's it. Let me just pray for us. Lord, I just ask that you bless and keep us this week as we go. Um, That you help us to chew on this truth, Lord, until it really does become more real to us. That your word is more real and alive in us and more powerful than anything um, in our circumstances in this physical world, Lord. Um, I just desire so much to see um, us conquer conquer the circumstances in our own lives, help in the conquering of the circumstances in people's lives who you bring to us, Lord, every day. I just, I am sick and tired of seeing possible done because we can do it. I desire to see the impossible done. And Lord, we do and all of us are so hungry to see that. And I just ask that you would build that fire in us, Holy Spirit, that you would raise us up strong and make us bold enough to step out and be able to say in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Lord, we desire to be that kind of a follower of yours. And Father, we'll bless you till the day we die. We praise you and we worship you. And we thank you for all the blessings in our lives. You are truly awesome, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.